The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and i um, really glad to be with you again this day, a day when the markets are fairly mixed, although we're seeing uh, the gold shares do very well. They've been uh, doing quite well since the start of this year, as I sort of sensed they would. Uh, let me just say that I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and I do talk about gold mining shares and silver mining shares and a lot of increasingly uh, some energy stocks that my good friend Chen Lin and partner Chen Lin, uh, some of which he's brought to my attention, some of them uh, are things I've picked up on my own, but uh, those are also doing very, very well. With regard to Chen's newsletter at the end of this, uh, we should mention that he is no longer taking subscriptions except at the end of each quarter. So if you are interested in subscribing to uh, Chen's letter, which is, I don't know of any that's better, honestly, I may be a bit biased, but if you can find one that's done better, I'd like to know. Uh, if you're interested in signing up for Chen, you need to call my assistant, uh, Claudio Bossi, at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426, uh, or you can simply go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, and put your name on the list. Well, while Chen is not uh, taking new subscribers to his letter, I certainly am taking subscribers to my newsletter called J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. And uh, I do, uh, you can go to miningstocks.com to sign up for that as well or call Claudio Bossi at that number I just gave you. Uh, I do pass along uh, some of Chen's ideas from time to time. I pass ideas that I have on to Chen, which he picks up sometimes, and he passes his ideas on to me, and, and some of them I uh, pass along to my subscribers. So in that way, you can sort of indirectly get some of the benefits of Chen's hard work and, uh, and insights by signing up to my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Again, go to miningstocks.com to sign up for that. My letter is a weekly letter. Chen's uh, letter is a letter he, he sends out. Um, uh, he sends out alerts anytime there is something really important going on. So Chen's letter is much better for trading. Mine is more of an investing newsletter. Uh, I should like to remind you that the best place to keep track of everything that I do is probably jtaylormedia.com. That's J-A-Y Taylor. 
media.com and we are revising that it should be a much more exciting website to go to in the near future we're going to have a blog and a lot more um, up-to-date information relating to the things that I talk about on this show as well as uh, my newsletter I should mention you can also follow me on Twitter under the J Taylor media handle I want to welcome a, a new sponsor today. Uh, Precipitate Gold Corp is uh, joining us as a sponsor. It trades on the Toronto Exchange under the symbol PRG. Uh, you can buy it in the United States under the symbol PREIF. Uh, trading uh, very sparsely today. It's a very, very low number of shares trading, but 22.5 cents is the last quote. It's got a market cap of only about $5.7 million. It's got $2 million in the cash, uh, cash in the bank. Uh, and I should mention that uh, one of my newsletter competitors, Brian London, has recommended this stock, so I'm going to have to do some digging uh, myself. Um, the company does have a property in the Dominican Republic next door to the Gold Quest discovery, which is uh, one of the better news stories of last year, uh, probably a multi-million ounce gold discovery. So uh, there's that, and then the company has 19 properties in the Yukon and in British Columbia that um, I'm sure it will be looking to do something with, perhaps get some other companies to come in and spend some money to develop those. I don't know. I do hope to meet up with a new president that is to be named uh, this weekend in Vancouver when I'm there for the Cambridge House Conference. Uh, I expect to, uh, uh, I'm hoping at least, to meet up with the new president and get a sense of what this company is all about. Well, in addition to Precipitate Gold joining us as sponsors this week, our sponsors for this winter season uh, include Brazil Resources, Eurasian Minerals, Dynacor Gold Mines, Golden Arrow Resources uh, Corporation, Miranda Gold, and Renaissance Gold. Before I begin talking about today's show, let me say a word or two about our sponsors. The main concern that I have in this market, although I do believe and sense that things may be turning around, but the main concern that one has had to have over the last year or so is staying power. It's very difficult, if not impossible, for companies selling for pennies to raise capital without diluting their shareholder base from here to kingdom come. So the favorite kinds of companies that I've been looking at, project generators, uh, companies that are sponsors on this show now, Eurasian Minerals, Miranda Gold, Renaissance Gold are all project generators. They're able to preserve cash and get other people to spend expensive dollars to drill holes in the ground. So they have a staying power and an ability to weather the storm when we're in these, these kind of tough markets, uh, equity markets for the junior resource sector. Uh, producers, well, Dynacor is an outstanding example. They're a sponsor of this show, making lots of money, growth and earnings and gold production. They also have the potential uh, for a major discovery on their Tumipampa project. It's a SCARN uh, deposit in Peru and some very good showings early on there. Uh, companies with strong management and strong cash positions are very, very important in this kind of environment. Brazil Resources, uh, headed by Amira Nani a very strong company. Golden Arrow is a very cash-rich company. also expect to meet up with the management of Golden Arrow this weekend when I'm in Vancouver. And, of course, as we just mentioned, Precipitate Gold is a strong company with really strong backing and good mining people behind it. Uh, and I expect that they should uh, do quite well, too, in, in these markets. Um, I believe that we could be on the verge of a major breakout now, uh, in the gold uh, mining sector and in, uh, let's say, in asset prices in general, my inflation-deflation watch is definitely showing a breakout. Uh, and this, you know, what's happening with rising asset prices, that's not going to fix the economy, not by any means. 
but it will make Wall Street happy and it will make Washington happy, and it should reward those of us who are in the tangible assets. We can only, uh, you know, we can um, uh, we can hope uh, that that somehow the policymakers will come to common sense and change things, uh, but don't hold your breath on that. In the meantime, you've got to take care of yourself and your family and do the best you can, and that's what we try to do on this show, of course. I do want to just pass along some of Doug Casey's ideas uh, with respect to this current market that he expressed. This is just an excerpt from an interview he did with Louis James uh, recently. Louis James asked him, he said, uh, Doug, are you saying that gold at $1,670 is cheap? And Doug Casey said, "No, uh, but it's uh, no, but it's got to go higher. The fact is, precious metals. Uh, the fact is that precious metals are the only financial asset that are not simultaneously someone else's liability. The huge counterparty liability in today's markets has yet to make itself evident, but it will. It's the hundreds of trillions of dollars. That's what the derivatives that Buffett has been talking about." for a decade are all about. That makes the best single speculation I can think of today, gold and silver mining stocks. For the last two years, gold stocks have been getting cheaper, even though gold has continued rising year on year. That makes these stocks a better deal than they have been for many years. And it's such a tiny little market. The upside when the larger world catches on will be breathtaking. My sense, based on watching these markets for 40 years, is that we're coming up on an explosion of resource stock prices of historic proportions. And Louis James says, the data supports you on that. If you adjust for inflation by looking at the price of gold in terms of gold, they are selling for less than they have for years, almost as low as during the crash of 2008 or even back in 2001 before this bull cycle for metals got going. And then Doug uh, Casey responded by saying, they are now extremely high potential and relatively low risk speculations, despite mining being a crappy 19th century choo-choo train industry, end of quote. Well, there you have it from Doug Casey, one of the real pros in this uh, junior resource sector, uh, best-selling book when he was a young man that he wrote on this sector. Doug has done extremely well for himself and his own subscribers. I do think that we have... um, uh, a uh, one possible company that we're going to talk to later today's show at about 4:30. Northern Freegold, I think, could offer that kind of break, uh, breathtaking return. Um, and we'll be talking, as I mentioned, uh, to that um, to the CEO John Burgess at about 4:30. Um, and uh, more on that now. I'll skip over uh, some of the comments that I was prepared to make because I see we do have our next couple of guests uh, ready for us, and I want to get to them because they have a lot of interesting things to say. I, I should mention that also I am doing picking up on a lot of, uh, well, not a lot of, but several of Chen Lin's interesting ideas in the energy sector, and I've not been a big energy guy. I've always been more of a gold guy, but I see some real possibilities. Alon USA Partners, at around is doing very nicely today, selling just under $22, but providing a, uh, a dividend this year. It's a pipeline and refinery company. Uh, management is giving guidance for a dividend that will be over 22% this year. Uh, that won't be consistent year after year, but it looks really good right now. Panorient Energy is another one that looks like it could have huge upside potential. And Paul Van Eden brought to my attention a little baby company called Sonatan Inc., and this is a company that's almost, I told you about it a couple of weeks ago. It's almost tripled in value since then. I saw this morning or today it's selling at about 36 cents today. Uh, it was 13 cents when I first brought it to your attention. But this is an exciting technology that I think all pipeline companies are going to have to have. 
Uh, it is. It looks to me like uh, it's it's going to be a huge winner. Uh, no guarantees ever in this business, of course, but um, it's one that I'm extremely excited about, and perhaps we'll have Paul Van Eden on to talk about it sometime in the not too distant future. Well, let's get going. On today's show, we're going to be talking uh, to uh, to a couple of people that are going to help us understand. I think really ferret out what's going on in real terms. And as I mentioned, I have admiration for people like Ron Paul and those that are trying to change the world that want to work from within the system to turn us back to our free market economic uh, roots. But uh, you know, what are the chances of that? I don't know. We can hope. In the meantime, we have to take care of things and and. What one of the things that we need to do is understand the pathology of what's going on uh, in the uh, in the uh, among our policymakers. It really hinges on faulty assumptions, faulty uh, faulty ideas about economics and the way economics and the way people function and work. So we're going to be talking to Alistair McLeod, and he's going to talk about Austrian economics and his forecast for two, 2013. And then at four o'clock, Peter Granich is going to be with me as well. Uh, he's, I think, one of the most savvy newsletter writers, and he's certainly done well in forecasting uh, the uh, the markets in the past. So we're looking forward to Peter at four o'clock, and in just in a few minutes, and well, in a couple of minutes, as soon as we go to break, I'm going to be talking to Stephen Merrill, who heads up an organization called the Sovereign Exchange International Limited uh, in Canada, and uh, also coming on Jeff Berwick, who's been on this show before. Uh, he's an IT entrepreneur, a globetrotter, an investor, a freedom lover. Um, a real libertarian, if ever there was one. Jeff is always a breath of fresh air to have him on the show. So we are going to go to break right now, and when we come back, we'll be with Jeff Berwick and Stephen Merrill. Don't go away. I'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Attention mining investors, Brazil Resources Incorporated trading as BRIZF on the OTC and BRI on the TSXV is exploring and developing five gold projects in Brazil, surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits. It's acquiring a nearly 700,000 ounce gold resource. BRI has top geologists earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil, led by recognized mining executive Admir Adnani, chairman. Check out Brazil Resources com or call 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. Investors deserve to start seeing greater returns, period. Creating shareholder value requires vision and a disciplined, fiscally responsible style. At Dynacor Gold Mines, we are proving how to fuel growth without shareholder dilution. Cash flow and liquidity levels are as robust as the company has seen throughout its history. Dynacor is a low-risk public company generating actual profits coupled with real shareholder value. Learn more at DynacorGold.com or follow us on Twitter at DynacorGold. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. 
you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time Stephen Merrill. Uh, he's uh, with an organization called the Sovereign Exchange International, and uh, he's uh, talking to me from British Columbia. And also I have with me once again Jeff Berwick. Uh, he's in Mexico still. He's going to be coming up to Canada, to Vancouver, to the conference that all three of us will be attending uh, this weekend. Uh, but Jeff uh, has had a remarkable life as an entrepreneur and uh, with that experience, he's gained an understanding of how the world really works. And I, unlike many people, though, he's been able to use the real-life experiences and, and figure it out. I think he's got it figured out pretty well in terms of how people really respond, how the world really works. So welcome, uh, Jeff, and welcome, Stephen. Well, thanks, Jay. Like, thanks, uh, Jay. I'd like to start with you, Stephen. Uh, talk to us about the Sovereign Exchange International. What is it? What's its purpose in life? Well, thanks very much, uh, Jay, and, and thanks for the opportunity. Uh, the Sovereign Exchange is a commercial trading platform that uh, effectively allows a hard money investor, a physical investor, to lever his or her silver or gold and tap its purchasing power um, with with an audience that is, is metal-hungry, well, let's call them. Uh, the audience includes winemakers, landscapers, dentists, auto dealers, uh, even real estate developers. These metal-hungry merchants, I call them, offer pretty significant discounts uh, for metal uh, uh, to, to cash, to their typical cash pricing. Mm-hmm. So we, um, um, we do this by issuing a, a digital accounting unit, uh, a scorekeeping tool or a currency, if you will, called a sovereign. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sovereign is a, is a digital tool that flows between the private accounts of the members of our exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, a sovereign is a new form of payment. It represents a gram of silver. Okay. Every sovereign issued is 100, 100% secured by silver, by silver bullion. And uh, it's vaulted and insured with a, with a real reputable depository up here in the Vancouver area. Mm-hmm. So the, the Sovereign Exchange acts as a facilitator or clearinghouse for these exchanges by activating and administering private accounts for each of our members. It could be a dentist, a landscaper, real estate developer, anyone, and then offering their services for, for sovereigns in this online marketplace that we manage. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, every member has a username and a password and then uh, can self-direct their account online. Mm-hmm. What's it's really not- important here is that any business owner, any business person in our exchange that has encouraged uh, a sovereign transaction and has sovereigns in his or her account at any point can cash them out by redeeming them with our treasury for physical silver gold bullion. So an auto dealer that might offer a used Audi and, you know, they've got it listed for 12000 and it's collecting dust on the lot and it's not moving quick enough, he or she, that the, 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 this person that sees the upside of silver and gold may be encouraged to offer it for 15 or 20% less for sovereigns. Now, Jeff comes along and, and, and 
Jeff's got metal, let's assume, and um, he's looking for a car like that. And he says, well, uh, I was going to pay cash for a car like that. Mm -hmm. He's got the metal. He can now energize or mobilize the metal, get a 15 or 20% discount on the car he was otherwise going to pay cash for, and then use the cash that he'd previously budgeted here to go buy more metal. Hmm. So he gets the car he was going to buy. He gets a discount. Some member in our exchange that sells used Audis gets a new deal, finds Jeff, connects with Jeff, and Jeff takes more metal off, off the shelves. So together we can, uh, you know, to use Bix Weir's term, uh, help melt the witch. <laughs> well, uh, help me understand why, that, uh, why Jeff would get the discount in this example. Because the fellow that's selling Audis um, has idle inventory or excess capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, just about every business owner out there, and I've been in this business of facilitating administering commercial trade for almost 20 years now, mm-hmm. uh, has the ability to, to make another sale. Mm-hmm. They've got money on their lot. The dentist has idle capacity in his, in his practice. The landscaper can do more. The transmission mechanic do, can do more. If they're only running their businesses at 50 or 60% capacity, mm-hmm. they're leaving money on the table every day, every mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. By engaging in the trade exchange, uh, the sovereign exchange, they find a new customer. They can lever that idle timer capacity into sovereigns, and sovereigns can then be redeemed for metal if they want metal or cash. Um, so, so this this brings people together. People with metal can energize it and mobilize it. Most of this metal, as we all know, sits idle in the backyard. It collects dust in the safety deposit box. It's not being used. Now you're when, in you're. When are we going to, how are we going to take profits at uh, some point? And, and what we're it, trying to say here is spend a little, replace the cash expenditure, and then use the cash you'd previously budgeted to buy more metal. Okay, so you're, you're hoping and using your metal, putting it to work as money instead of just having it set in the, in the ground or in a vault someplace. Sure. Exactly. Now, now you're in Canada. What about trading cross border? Is this a, is this an issue? Is it, I mean, it sounds like, you know, if I were to buy a car in Canada, using your example with Jeff, I would probably be hit with all kinds of import duties if I brought it across the border. Well, that's not really my business. I'm not an expert yeah. there. But uh, let's let's assume Jay that um, you're, and we know you're coming to Vancouver this weekend. Yeah. Right. You probably uh, you probably use your Visa card or Mastercard to to uh, reconcile with the Pan or someone downtown sure. where you're staying. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a member in Vancouver, a member of the Sovereign Exchange. She's got about seventy or seventy five fully furnished apartments in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. She owns metal. She's running about seventy percent capacity right now. She's offering a thirty percent discount on her apartments in Vancouver mm-hmm. right now for Sovereigns. Mm-hmm. So instead of you paying 200 a night in cash at the pen, mm-hmm. you could have mobilized some metal here, used your sovereigns to pay the equivalent of 125 or 135 mm-hmm. in cash, and then taken that cash that you'd sent to the pen and used it to add to your metal position. So I see. You know, in Vancouver, we've got restaurants and, and um, offering 30, 40, 50% discounts on, on, on their capacity, if you will. Hotels, uh, limousine companies, and so on. So you could you could come to Vancouver on a holiday. You could, Jeff could, and not pay any cash. Instead, get discounts with your sovereigns, which are anchored to your metal, and then take the cash you're previously budgeting for that holiday and use it to buy more metal. 
Very interesting. How does one get started? Can people can people send money to you and then buy the silver from you, or how does how do they get started? No, we're not a, a bullion dealer. We work with bullion dealers. Um, just last week, we had a couple of clients who one bought two hundred ounces uh, from a local bullion dealer in Vancouver. Those two hundred ounce bars were moved into our treasury, mm-hmm. which is a vault in in the Langley area. Uh, the account is credited 6,500 sovereigns. There's 3,110 grams in a 100-ounce bar. We pay a 4% premium to that member for that bar. So now he's got 3,250 uh, per bar or 6,500 total. And he's moved along and used those sovereigns to engage with a dentist in West Vancouver who's offering 30, uh, 30%, I'm not sure of the exact discount now, but it's going to be between 30 and 40% on some implants, on dental implants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, member with, this member metalwork. with the hard money never pays a fee, so he gets a premium for his metal. Mm-hmm. He doesn't pay a transaction fee. The dentist pays a transaction fee. He gets the implants he needs that he was previously budgeting ten grand for, mm-hmm. and now he can take the ten grand and go out and buy three hundred ounce bars at these prices. Oh, very interesting concept. So, very, very interesting. Yeah. And you've been doing this now for a couple of years, at least, right, with this organization. Well, we sent out our first gram-denominated uh, account statements back in April of uh, last year, just 2012. So we're only into about month eight. Uh, but I personally have been in the commercial trading business since 94. In 97 here in Vancouver, I launched the very first uh, ITEX office in Canada. And I've got a long history with business owners who, who get how to lever their idle timer capacity and use it instead of cash, to buy things from the other business owners in the network. Um, you've, got a, you've got a number of trade exchanges there in the Vancouver area. There's, there's whoops, in the New York area. We've got a number up here in Toronto and Vancouver, obviously Seattle. They're all over the world today. Okay. But none, but none issue a trading unit like ours that is anchored to silver. Okay. Uh, this trading unit, the Sovereign, actually uh, increases in value, if you will. It has more purchasing power as silver goes higher. Well, that's true. We, we post the exchange rate each day on the website. So if Jeff's got a thousand sovereigns today from selling a couple of le- letters, let's assume to to our members, uh, and the sovereign exchange rate goes higher with the silver price, let's say silver goes to fifty dollars. Now we got a dollar fifty exchange. His thousand sovereigns can buy him fifteen hundred dollar equivalents from the other members of the network. And we're, now we're assuming that's retail. We've got members in the network who are offering thirty percent less than their best cash price for wine. So Jeff could. Effectively, for the price of two or three annual letters that he might sell at roughly two fifty cash per, end up with a thousand sovereigns today, and then turn it into twenty two hundred, twenty four hundred dollars retail worth of wine as the silver price moves to fifty dollars. Well, and Jeff would drink it all, as far as I, I'm quite sure about that. Well, listen, we this is fascinating. We have to have you back again and talk about this in more detail. But you are also uh, sponsoring, or at least uh, behind, a, a fundraiser for the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. Tell our listeners how they can avail themselves to that. Is there is there a number or, or a website they can go to? Absolutely. Um, our website, by the way, is at sovereignize.net. It's a bit of a play on the word monetize. Mm-hmm. Sovereignize.net. Um, and there's sovereignize.net so you have to kind of learn how to spell sovereign and then add i-z-e.net to to find us on the web all right Uh, we're also at thesovereignexchange.com okay so people can on our website you have this uh, event on saturday quickly tell us about it because i want to get some comments from jeff yet before we go to commercial break 
Yep. Uh, the event's being held uh, in False Creek at the Granville Island Hotel. We've got uh, Chris and Bill and Ed all attending. Uh, Keith Newmar from First Majestic is going to say a few words about his uh, his operation down in Mexico, mm-hmm. one of the premier silver miners, in my opinion, and probably yours, and, yep. and someone who has had the foresight to put hard money uh, out into investors' hands and, and brand his own silver. I just love that. Mm-hmm. Um, yourself and uh, Jay, you're going to be out, and Jeff is going to be out, and I've asked Jeff to speak a little bit about his passport program. Some of our members and shareholders are very interested to know more about that. Uh, the event goes at 4 o'clock. There's only room for about 75 people. We're asking for 100 fiat dollars or 2 ounces of 999 fine silver mm-hmm. as a donation to GATA, all proceeds to GATA. Uh, starts at 4 o'clock, runs about 6 o'clock, uh, tickets, uh, call me, text me, 778-835-7667 or stephen.merrill, M-E-R-R-I-L-L at sovereignize.net. And, uh, hoping to, you know, get 75 people out, which would be, you know, hopefully six, seven thousand bucks, uh, in dollars of silver, silver equivalents for, for GATA. For GATA. Excellent. Well, GATA is somebody that, that I certainly support and have for many years. And Jeff, I know you do too. What are your thoughts about GATA and how important is their issue in terms of the overall growth of government tyranny in the United States and the Western world, essentially? We, we've, you know, we see the connection, but can you maybe pass that on, pass your thoughts on about GATA and, and its important role that it plays? Certainly. Um, you know, I support any uh, people or any organization that really fight the government. <laughs> and uh, GATA's been doing that for years now, and uh, they've been doing an excellent job. Uh, I support anyone doing anything uh, to to fight these governments. So whether it's taking action by actually going out in the street and protesting, or or what Gata's doing, and I'm a big fan of Bill Murphy and uh, Chris Powell, John Embry, everyone there at Gata, uh, and uh, you know a lot of the people in this freedom sort of industry, the freedom uh, movement. Uh, sort of fight amongst each other sometimes, and I don't understand that. I'm a big supporter of anyone who's trying to expose government. And some people say, well, we're not sure if the government's fully manipulating the market. Well, the government's manipulating every market. They manipulate the interest rate market. They uh, manipulate uh, every single market. You look at uh, uh, grain subsidies or farm subsidies in the U.S., pretty much every single market is manipulated. And so it's it's, uh, completely ludicrous to think that they're not manipulating the gold and silver market. And so, yeah, I definitely support everything they're doing uh you know they've been doing an amazing job and uh i know bill actually told bill murphy told me that it wasn't too long ago that they started off pretty small and uh they really uh needed some money to get going and then things like what steve is doing is great but uh you know they started off and bill murphy told me that he got a check from hugo salinas price once when he had no money in the bank Mm-hmm. And he's within his price, actually, lives just down the street here in Acapulco. He's one of the richest men on earth, and he's trying to remonetize silver in the Mexican uh, monetary system. And uh, uh, Hugo Salinas Price wrote him a check and didn't ask for anything back, and, and that really kept Bill going. And, and yeah. so, yeah, I'm a big supporter. I'm really looking forward to seeing those guys in, in Vancouver yeah. and uh, keeping up the fight yeah, against yeah. the tyranny of government. I agree uh, wholeheartedly with you. I should mention to our listeners that when Jeff says fight the government, uh, basically, Jeff, you're, you're talking about fighting in terms of uh, using legal means, that is, using freedom of speech, letting people know what the truth is, right? Exposing them, essentially, is what you're trying to do. Absolutely. I'm not saying uh, physically. You can't physically fight the government. No. Uh, what's going on in the U.S. nowadays with all the guns? They're trying to take away guns. Yeah. And many people are saying, oh, we're going to fight them. You can't fight uh, the government with their no. drones. And, uh, you know, the American people, are. there's never been a, a 
people in history who have been more uh, surveilled. Uh, East Germany was nothing compared to the U.S. now. They're, they're listening to every phone call, reading every email. Uh, they have, you know, the police forces now are all driving around in tanks. Uh, you, you cannot fight it that way. The only way we're going to win this fight is uh, through uh, our minds and through uh, moving beyond uh, having this desire for government, which is a ludicrous concept, right. and, and then taking responsibility for ourselves. Ludicrous and uh, regressive, I would say. It's uh, as if we want to retreat back into our mother's wombs and be taken care of. But it's uh, obviously with that goes uh, a loss of freedom. And one of the things, Jeff, I I believe, and let, let me know what you think about this, but I believe that the reason GATA is so crucial, is so important, is not just because they're right about one market being manipulated, but because of the nature and the importance of that market. Gold and silver is money. And Alan Greenspan expressed it best in Golden Economic Freedom in 1966 when he, when he said why governments hate, hate uh, gold so much, why they don't want people to think about gold, why they have to do all these things they're doing to try to suppress the price of gold is to keep the markets and to keep the masses of people from trading in their worthless dollars to gold or silver, you know, monetary metals. And so, to me, the, you know, you were mentioning that everything is manipulated. That's absolutely true. I mean, the fact that they just pump trillions of dollars in, suppress interest rates, just by doing that, they're manipulating the gold markets, they're manipulating every market on Earth by the United States just putting in, you know, uh, trillions of dollars of QE is causing huge problems. So, uh, but in my way of thinking, the reason GATA is so important and the, this whole issue of gold manipulation and silver manipulation is so important is because it's at the heart of the thievery that's going on by the government. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. There's nothing more important than money in an economy or within a uh, nation state or within life. And uh, you look at Rothschild who said that, uh, give me control of the money and I don't care who makes the laws. Uh, and that's exactly what the Federal Reserve is and the government is all tied in with it, with the U.S. Treasury and all that. And uh, so, yeah, there's nothing more important to fight over than money and actually making it, and again, not fighting physically, but fighting mentally and, and uh, through ideas. But uh, the money should never be controlled by the government. That's a, you know, you never want anything to be controlled by the government, least of all money. Uh, money should be a free market money. And that's why I actually really support what Stephen's doing, because uh, beyond just getting discounts by paying for things in silver, uh, it's also an alternative form of payment. And as these fiat currencies all start to collapse, which they will, and I believe they will, the U.S. dollar will collapse in the next probably five five years, uh, it'll be excellent to have other forms of payment. And then so by having, uh, being able to pay in silver or even things like Bitcoin or anything like that, I fully support. So it's yeah. an incredibly important battle. Well, again, uh, Jeff, I look forward to seeing you up in Vancouver and also Stephen, uh, both of you. Uh, Stephen, maybe you can give our listeners that uh, that number again. They can call to to uh, attend this this conference or this uh, this uh, GATA fundraiser. Yeah, uh, thanks, Jay. Seven seven eight eight three five seven six six seven seven six six seven. That's my personal number. I call or text or uh, Stephen dot Merrill at sovereignized dot net, and it's the Granville Island Hotel, four o'clock on the Saturday afternoon uh, prior to the kickoff there, the Gold Show on. Sunday in yeah. downtown Vancouver. Hopefully it's not raining too hard. And and uh, anybody wants to go uh, for dinner afterwards, uh, 
ferry leaves every seven minutes uh, back to the foot of Hornby Street across the creek. Yeah, I know and it well. It's it's a yeah. it's it's a it's it should be a great time. We do have to go to break now. Our next guest is standing by, so uh, we will uh, we will talk to you. Look, I look forward to seeing both of you up in Vancouver in a few days, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, both of you, Stephen Merrill and Jeff Berwick, for being our guests today. We'll talk to both of you very soon. Hopefully, take care. Hey, Folks, you. don't go away. We're going to be right back. I'm going to have Alistair McLeod with me, and we're going to talk about Austrian economics and, um, well, uh, try to figure out what's going on and how we can protect ourselves in 2013. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Riverside Resources is a mineral exploration company focused on making big discoveries and is advancing a strong portfolio of gold, silver, and copper properties in the Americas. Riverside owns commanding land packages near active mines and deposits where new discoveries have been efficiently developed. Riverside Resources is exploring Mexico, a country with a rich mining history and an even more promising future. Riverside Resources. Knowledge is golden. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to an underlying problem. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theories to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to quadruple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights call 718-457-1426 or visit miningstocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters voice america business network the bottom line in business Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Alistair McLeod. He's become a fairly frequent guest here, and for good reason. He has a lots, of, lots of great ideas that he passes along at goldmoney.com, and he also uh, posts them. Uh, he has a blog at uh, alistairmcleod.blogspot.com, and would really uh, encourage you to go there. That's Alistair, that's A-L-A-S-D-A-I-R, 
McLeod is M-A-C-L-E-O-D dot blogspot dot com. So uh, you should go there and and uh, pick up the bits of wisdom that he provides on a frequent basis there or uh, get yourself on the mailing list from uh, goldmoney.com. Welcome, Alistair. Good to have you back and a happy new year yes. to you. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure and a happy new year to you and all your listeners too, Jay. You have uh, you're battling a cold, so I'm I'm thankful that we'll shorten this this segment a little bit because we went over on the last one. But uh, you, you had uh, some excellent thoughts, I thought, recently on uh, on the definition of Austrian economics and how it differs with uh, with the conventional wisdom of the day, which is Keynesian and monetarist economics. Could you give our listeners uh, just just a, maybe a quick definition of Keynesian economics and then monetarist economics, and then and then say how uh, Austrian economics differs and why you and I believe it is superior to the conventional wisdom of the day. Gosh, that's a large subject. Uh, I'll do my best. Um, the point about Keynesian economics and monetarism, which is really its close cousin, is that the assumption is that um, in terms of making prices, price formation, it is uh, partly the subjective um, views of consumers uh, and also it is the marginal costs that producers face in satisfying those consumers. Um, the Austrian uh, economic school, on the other hand, believes that it is entirely down to the consumers what they pay. And if a manufacturer um, can't keep his costs within that, then he's out of business. It's as simple as that. And I think that um, our experience of life confirms that the Austrian uh, approach is right. So prices are really, if you like, the genesis of economics. And um, that is the point which uh, where, where uh, Austrian economics uh, differs materially from uh, Keynesian economics. There is a, um, a secondary consideration, and that is um, uh, how we define uh, economic progress or growth or whatever. Uh, the Keynesians um, uh, like to use uh, mathematical relationships. They treat economics as much as they can as a physical science, whereas uh, the Austrian economists treat it as a social science. Now, the difference basically is that you can't project um, mathematical relationships from the past forward and get anything meaningful out of it, uh, which, of course, is what the Keynesians do. And you have to remember that Keynes was first and foremost a maths professor uh, as well as an economist, as indeed uh, were the uh, economists in the Cambridge School generally. Um, so those are the principal differences. The effect is extremely important. Um, if we look at this question of uh, growth or progress, uh, the Keynesians talk about growth. They look at GDP and uh, they don't measure the quality, if you like, of uh, growth in GDP. I mean, as long as it goes up, um, you know, then uh, that's satisfactory and, uh, you know, a rise in GDP helps set the interest rate uh, outlook. Uh, as far as the... Um as, as far as the Austrian school is concerned, uh, GDP is actually pretty meaningless. What they're more interested in is economic progress. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you cannot, no economist, not even an Austrian economist, can tell you where the progress is going to come from in the future. No. Um, but just, just, I mean, just relate it back to your own experience. I mean, do you really think that any of the Internet, any of the um, semiconductor industry and the most incredible uses these uh, materials have been put to uh, would have happened if it had been planned by government. The answer plainly is no. That no. is what progress is. And progress, if you like, is the interaction between uh, consumers, 
and entrepreneurs um, uh, manufacturing to satisfy the wants and needs of consumers in the future. And uh, the degree to which they save also gets recycled back to the manufacturers, the entrepreneurs, if you like, um, to allow them to invest in 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 in, in, in capital uh, goods, so right. so that that is a, a very quick round trip. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good overview, I think, uh, Alistair. And also, I know that Keynes had a, a tremendous contempt for savings, didn't he? I mean, he was uh, he talked yeah. about the euthanasia of the renter, which he, which is the word he used for savers, which he which he held in great contempt. And you know, I can't help but think about a speech that David Stockman made here in New York at the. Uh, at the Austrian, uh, at the Mises Circle here a few months back in, in September, when he talked about uh, the latest, it was the day after Bernanke had announced a QE3 or QE Infinite, as some people call it. And Stockman said, "This is it. This is uh, the end of capitalism. We are in the fact, in fact, destroying the capital markets, and with that, destroying capitalism from the inside out." Uh, that was Stockman's view. Would you agree with that? I would agree with it entirely. Uh, basically, the manipulation of interest rates is the major tool by which central banks try and control the markets. Um, and uh, they've got themselves into a debt trap, or at least they've got their governments into a, a debt trap, because uh, we're now in the situation where governments refuse to cut spending uh, to the point where their budgets balance and to the point where they can begin to pay down debt. Uh, and uh, as well as that, just imagine what happens if the cost of funding starts rising. I mean, very, very quickly, the budget deficits start accelerating, all due to interest costs. So um, they're in a debt trap, uh, and uh, it's just that people don't know it. Well, a debt trap is a scary proposition for sure, and I, I can't help but pass along uh, some ideas that Robert Eisenbeis, he's a, a former Federal Reserve economist and now runs a hedge fund. He was on with Thomas Keene in New York, uh, in Bloomberg recently last week, I think it was, and he said that he's very, very concerned about when the uh, Federal Reserve and the other central banks start to downsize or reduce the size of their balance sheet again. And, you know, I guess they would have to start to, uh, to, to, um, uh, to sell off those assets they've been buying. And he said, you know, he says he thinks that we could see at the ver first hint of any kind of, of uh, signal that the Fed would be doing that, we could see bond prices uh, collapse. He said, uh, he says, if I'm a fund manager sitting on a huge embedded profit in long-dated treasuries and I hear Bernanke say, on your mark, I'm gone. He said, I'm not going to yeah. wait for him to say, get set, go. When Bernanke says, on your mark... I'm out of here. And he yeah. says that he's, he's just dreadfully fearful that the first hint, and we in fact saw when there was some report of dissension within the Fed, and the Fed started to talk about, uh, some members of the Fed started to say we should stop QE pretty soon. The markets got spooked and we saw the bond, bond prices uh, plunge and interest rates rise very quickly. Do you see that as a, as a potential? Do you, first of all, do you think that the Fed is going to reduce its balance sheet do you think it's going to downside its balance sheet, or are they going to keep expanding it, in your view? Uh, I don't think that there is the political option of downsizing their balance sheet, uh, Jay. I think it's as simple as that. Um, they will, I think, try not to expand it as much as perhaps um, <laughs> without any sort of free reign uh, they would otherwise do. But um, the fact is that if they start contracting their balance sheet, uh, you will bring on the slump, you will bring on bankruptcies, you will then bring on the collapse of banks. Um, and I mean, the collateral position in the banking system is, is pretty dire as it is. And uh, we're now talking about sovereign debt, of course. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, sovereign debt, I think, 
if if a country is insolvent, basically, um, or bust, um, which which all major governments are now, um, then I, it, it, it's beyond me to understand why anybody thinks that government debt is a good investment. Um, People have to buy it. I mean, particularly bankers have to buy it. They have to buy it because the Basel regulations say that if you hold government debt, then there is no haircut. I mean, brilliant. But look at the quality of the rubbish they're holding on their balance sheets. And look at the level of capitalization. And I mean, it's um, it's, it, 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 it's um, perhaps not quite so bad in America because it's concentrated in the very big banks. But uh, in Europe, I mean, it's all over the place. And uh, the banks here are... Uh, I mean, basically, they're, they're, they are bust, um, but, uh, you know, everybody's sort of pretending they're not. It's, it is actually a terrible situation. They're overgeared. The collateral they've got on the balance sheets is rubbish. And uh, we just cannot afford to have anything fall over because then there will be a domino effect. Yeah, well, it, so people like this Robert uh, Eisenbeiss, are, they're sort of counting on, you know, the Fed... Uh, reversing course here aren't they i mean they they seem to think do they think that there's going to be growth perhaps in the economy that will allow them to do that that seems to be the sort of conventional wisdom they sort of think that this is going to work don't they and i don't believe, well, you on, believe it will no on, on on the question of economic growth of course the keynesians all suppose that if you stimulate the economy then eventually you'll get economic growth and tax right. revenues go up and you rescue yourself from your um bad financial position um, but that's not happening and there's no way it's going to happen for the very simple reason that the um, the destruction of savings which you referred to earlier um, you know in the sort of Keynesian thing the euthanasia of the saviors that's what we're seeing um, savings are being destroyed I read reports in America um, uh, that people are running sort of payday loans you know they, they're, they're literally living from paycheck to paycheck For sure. the same is true the same is true in this country um, the whole the whole system is uh, over indebted, and uh, governments have destroyed wealth. I think that's the key thing. They yeah. have they have deliberately destroyed wealth, which is what the attack, the euthanasia of the savior is all about. Of the savior is all about, um, and uh, you know it's payback time. I'm afraid, and I'm terribly worried that 2013 we're going to see. Uh, a serious um, deterioration in the economic outlook. And I think people who think we've got another five or ten years uh, to deal with the problems, I think they're living in cloud cuckoo land. I think that it's going to happen a lot sooner than that. Um, and I've penciled in uh, the first half of 2014 uh, as really collapse of paper currencies, which is the inevitable consequence of the policies we're following. Well, for sure, if if one wants to try to preserve wealth and the ability to to store uh, savings so that you have some uh, capacity to survive in your old age or when you don't have income coming in, uh, what is one to do but to buy gold and silver, right? The real money that is holding its value or some tangible asset, right? Yeah, I think that's about the only thing you can do. I mean, you know, the idea that... Um, that, that stocks will uh, somehow act as an inflation hedge and all the rest of it. I don't buy that because the, the, the underlying um, accounting uh, in uh, a rapidly uh, increasing inflationary situation, which I think is what uh, I, would, I would see beginning to happen in 2013, mm -hmm. the underlying accounting is that you need to depreciate your assets on a replacement basis a lot more rapidly than any businesses are doing at the moment. Yeah. So it destroys the balance sheets. Now, there will come a time, I think, when uh, you, know, you get out of money to buy anything, and then you probably buy you know, stocks and shares. <coughs> Sorry. 
as, as, as well as anything else. Um, but, you know, we're not quite at that stage yet. And I think the initial effect on stock markets could could be that stock markets will see the rise in interest rates, uh, the rise in bond yields um, uh, and, and take fright at, fright at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we're a long way from looking at um, other forms of protection from the depreciation of money such as stocks. Alistair, we've had uh, an enormously long, I mean, a, a bull market in long-dated U.S. Treasuries that go back to about uh, 1982 or something like that. You know, it's been a remarkable run, and you could actually have, have beaten the stock market by being in the bond market. Um, beating the Dow with bonds was written by uh, uh, O'Higgins, I think his name was, a, an excellent book, and I actually tracked it. So people uh, that were in the bond market made a huge killing over the last two, three decades. Uh, yeah, yeah. But when this thing reverses, it's going to be god awful, I would think. And, and let me ask you then, uh, you know, one of the thoughts that I had. Uh, let me know what you think about this. Can you buy an ETF that might short the bond market, or is that dangerous? Uh, oh, well, that's that's dangerous. But I, the, the reason I say it's, it, it, it's dangerous is that you're looking, in effect, at a synthetic ETF. And synthetic ETFs do depend on uh, the derivatives markets continuing mm-hmm. to function. And if you've got a banking crisis, I think that's a pretty extreme bet. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I, I, you know, I think, um, you know, I'm sure that there will be all sorts of plays and traders will come up with this idea and that idea and some of them will make an awful lot of money and so on. But, um, you know, I think for the person who is is having his money depreciated from under him is facing a savings crisis into retirement. I think it's a protection issue. And that's that's what we find at gold money. I mean, um, you know, people are, are still buying gold and silver and also to a lesser extent, uh, you know, the platinum group metals uh, just to get the hell out of paper money. Um, and, uh, you know, it's 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 not that these people necessarily think the whole system is going to fall over. But what they do see is an increased risk of it happening. So we've got this sort of dichotomy now because if you look at what's happening happening in the futures markets, I mean that the futures markets sort of continue to uh, you know sort of poodle along as if nothing had happened. Um, right. Certainly, as far as the prices of gold and silver are concerned. Um, uh, but uh, you know the physical market, the physical is quietly just being you know tucked away and tucked away and tucked away. And uh, the thing that's that, that's frightening from a market point of view uh, on, on this is that. Uh, you know, this is stock that is unlikely to come out. It is stock that is likely to be added to uh, if the situation continues to deteriorate, which is what I expect for 2013. So the shortages, particularly in the silver market, I think are, are um, going to be virtually impossible. In fact, I just cannot see how they can close the shorts in the silver market. Yeah, it's uh, it certainly would. So silver is what you would be a buyer then of silver more than gold at this point? Well, I'd go for both of them, really. I mean, um, you know, what we're what we're looking at is just straightforward protection rather than speculation. But silver, on any historic basis, is wildly underpriced. It's got to move up to a level where the um, industrial usage is uh, seriously curtailed, and only then will you get supply. And I I don't know what that level is. I mean, whether it's the other side of fifty or whether it's the other side of a hundred dollars, I honestly don't know. But that's what's got to happen, and it's not happening at this price at all. I mean, the, and the longer that they keep the, it, it, you know, the, the big shorts keep sitting on the price at current levels, I think the worse the situation uh, becomes for them. Do you have any sense of uh, how much shortfall there would be in terms of the paper market versus the physical market if people that were on the long side of the futures markets decided they wanted to take delivery? 
how much of a shortfall would there be? Well, uh, if it, looking at the bank participation report, um, I think uh, it, it was down a little bit um, uh, uh, over December compared with November. But uh, we're still looking at something like 275 million ounces shortfall. Um, and that's a hell of a lot. It really is. And that's that's the bank's position. But interestingly, the um, the, the the other commercials are basically fabricators and mines and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, going through brokers, uh, they're going net long now, and that I think is fascinating. Well, very interesting indeed. Um, so you would uh, you would certainly stay away from from any kind of long dated treasuries. Uh, the, the the oh, I have to ask you. I, I see my engineers saying we've only got a couple of minutes left. You mentioned Basel, the Basel Accords. The Basel Three Accords have been watered down. Uh, we talked to you about the possibility of gold being uh, treated equally. With uh, with treasuries, uh, where does that stand now? In your understanding, with, has that been taken out of the equation with the watering down of Basel III? No, I don't think it's been taken out. I must admit, I haven't followed it that closely, but I have seen nothing uh, to suggest that gold has been taken out of it. And apart from anything else, I think there are quite a number of bankers uh, who who are prudent. Um, you know, would like to have a means of diversifying out of out of uh, paper paper bonds. You know, paper currencies, that sort of exposure. Uh, so it makes it makes eminent sense for the banks. Uh, whether the central banks turn around and think, hold on, we're going to create a crisis for ourselves, um, which is possible, um, uh, that I don't know. But I think as far as the ordinary bankers are concerned, where they've got an opinion, they they would want gold in there because, um, you know, they want they want as little haircut as possible on anything they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I um, appreciate you coming on, uh, Alistair, at a day when you're really suffering with a cold. It's, uh, oh, don't worry. It's <laughs> very kind of you to come on. And uh, I just... Uh, I see we got a minute or two left here, uh, actually one minute or so. So to sum up here, I guess, I guess the main thing we can do is just basically buy the metals. Uh, there's not much else. You need to keep enough cash under the mattress to pay your, uh, to take care of things, uh, obviously your daily needs because you can't, at this point in time, can't take, uh, silver coins down to the corner grocery and buy, and buy a loaf of bread. That's very true. Um, and I mean, the way I run my life actually is quite simple. I have all my cash in gold and silver. And, um, you know, if I need to raise any, any money, you know, if I need to raise paper money, then I do it out of that from time to time. But my position always is the defensive one of having um, all my liquid resources in gold and silver. It hasn't been a comfortable ride over the last year, but who cares? I mean, basically, um, I feel protected. I feel happy. I feel secure. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 my own personal take on it. Well, you certainly have lost purchasing power and a lot more of it than the government lets on. No doubt about that. I'm sure uh, the inflation rates that we're told uh, don't bear any semblance to reality, from what I can see in terms of our grocery bills and our energy bills and everything else. So, uh, not to mention healthcare, education, and so forth. Alistair, it's been a pleasure having you back again. So much more to talk about, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely want to have you back again sometime very soon. Thanks for being with us. Folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back after a commercial break with Peter Granich, and Peter will give his ideas and his views uh, on what lies ahead or what may lie ahead for us in 2013. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Peter Granich. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Eurasian Minerals is a prospect generation exploration and royalty company focused on the discovery of gold and copper. The company currently has over 140 properties on four continents. Our joint venture partners have committed to spend over $15 million on Eurasian Minerals projects in 2012. The company maintains a tight share structure, a low cash burn rate, and holds $43 million in cash, creating value through discovery, growth, and royalties. Eurasian Minerals. Attention mining investors, Brazil Resources Incorporated trading as BRIZF on the OTC and BRI on the TSXV is exploring and developing five gold projects in Brazil, surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits. It's acquiring a nearly 700,000 ounce gold resource. BRI has top geologists earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil, led by recognized mining executive Amir Adnani, chairman. Check out Brazil Resources com or call 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001.